loyal podcast listeners, fans of the show. We've been gone for a little bit, doing some things behind the scenes, but I am excited to announce we are back bigger, better than ever. We got new episodes getting ready to launch every single week. And the reason that we took a little bit of a break, we had some business things to do. And it is now my pleasure to announce that support for the Big O Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement today for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TheBigO20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Just remember to use the code TheBigO20. Improve the view downstairs and shave away those unwanted hairs. Now let's get to the podcast. Welcome back for another episode of the Big Old Podcast. I am your host, Julian Ortiz, and today I am joined by the hosts of Healthy Conversations, a great live show on Twitch streaming Sunday nights, two former Canadian athletes, and also two of the best FIFA players arguably on the planet, Mr. Anson Henry and Vader Games. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Respect, dude. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm very good as well. Excellent. Now, I stumbled across your show uh, one day when Anson decided to finally promote the fact that you guys have the Sunday night show. He doesn't do it often, but when he does, people pay attention. And joining your show, it was one of the coolest things. I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but it is a fun, healthy conversation between two friends and a third person who refused the opportunity to come on the show. And my goal tonight (laughs) is to try to earn his respect and get him to join us the next time. And that's Gordy, the jerk. Uh, tell me a little bit about Gordy. You know, let's start with you, Vader. We'll go reverse order this time. Why don't you tell me how Vader sort of fits into the, the three of your dynamic, and then we'll get into what Healthy Conversations is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm actually the third wheel when it comes, okay. to, when it comes to the whole thing because Gordy, the jerk, and Blaze, they go back. They go back. So just over the years, the friendship's kind of grown. We've been linking up, playing board games and things like that and stayed in touch, even though like he's now, you know, he's now no longer in Toronto. So it just made sense for us to put together a show and stay connected. And you, you've seen the energy. Like <laughs> I like to disrupt it as much as I can, trying to, trying to be that squeaky wheel and be like, yo, guys, remember me? Let's all have some fun. Let's joke around. <laughs> And it seems to be working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Juliet, yeah, me and Gordon, yeah, we do go way back because um funny enough, I used to like in high school, I used to date his sister. So that's wow. how we met. Yeah, that's how we met. But I used to go to hang out with her and end up just kicking it with him the whole time because he was like he would have been he's about two years younger than me, so he'd have been like fourteen years old, fifteen years old, I think around them time. So he was just a ball of energy always joking around kicking jokes dancing music doing music and he was entertaining we always had fun so even after me and his sister weren't together anymore like we remain friends like to this day so um 
yeah a lot of history there a lot of a lot you know a lot of things that we still talk about to this day and then obviously with me being so close to vader they cross paths and then they just hit it off and board games obviously help people to really know who you are but we used to play risk all the time i don't know if you played risk before yeah so risk used to just like used to just open up all the different personality traits right and so yeah them guys hit it off and then you know all three of us together in the show kind of kind of fits because we all got different styles different personalities vader's a little more calm gordon's kind of rowdy and then um i'm somewhere in between there so yeah it works out pretty well it's funny you bring up risk i always say that there are three games to play with your closest friends to really determine whether or not you can make it for the future and number one is risk number two is monopoly and number three is a recent addition for me and that is settlers of Catan. all three games can wreak a lot of havoc if you had to pick a board game that you absolutely excel in and you would never want your best friend to play you in because it might ruin that friendship what game would that be (laughs) what's funny i'd want i'd want to play all of them with my good friends because i feel like it's just it's telling it's it's uh, well i shouldn't say it's telling because in risk they try to say that i'm kind of snaky i'm not a snaky person i'm not a snaky person in real life (laughs) the reality of the situation is within risk you know everyone's everyone's got a certain side to them to where you know when, when a deal's made or when there's something in place that has to be held up eventually have to part ways it's just a matter of just keeping it keeping it business and handling some battles here that weren't supposed to happen but in general i mean you learn how people make deals you learn how people communicate you learn how you're able to argue with people know how they are when you get in disputes i think it's a lot of things that are important in friendships so i think that all of them i'd want to i'd want to no matter what especially risk especially risk have you played risk julian I have, but Vader, before before you talk, I gotta ask you something. Anson said a whole lot of stuff without saying anything. Yes. Please take us through this fog that he has now created with all of these, you know, different illusions of how he plays Risk. Tell me how you would best describe him and his Risk game. So right off from the bat, if I'm gonna describe Anson A. Blaze as a gamer, as a Risk player, this this man. <laughs> <laughs> this man is going to do what it takes to win. Okay. Right? Which we're all which we're all trying to do. We're all trying to win the game. However, he will make sure that he's the first one to strike than to be striked on. Okay. That, that's it. And it's not that's not that's not unfair. That's not a diss. It's not it's not a bad thing. It's just understanding that as a player, if we share borders, so if there's Vaderland and there's Anson land, I just know that the border will be attacked first by Anson. Once you know that, once you know that, you just move properly with I the disagree. game. I disagree. And that's an important thing on why risk, for me, when you ask the question, what game would you pick? For me, it's risk. And the reason okay. why risk is important is because, one, it's a long game, right? So if you're playing with friends, you want to know who has the patience, who's really in it, who's going to be able to, like, play for an hour, two hours, right? If it, if it is that type of game. And then two, it's also to see who, who takes advantage of situations, 
who's going to try to you know who's going to try to be a little political it's funny you say that it's funny you say that because when once gordon came into the mix vader was always kind of like you kind of manipulated him dog he loves <laughs> he loves vader in that game he's not messing with vader but he's always like vader's a good dude man it's you i'm worried about because vader's a good dude but vader knows he's that. right first no but you utilize that man i'm, I'm very that. diplomatic i'm very diplomatic in my style so I like the strike first comment because it's going to bring me back now. If we had to describe Anson, a.k.a. a blaze as a type of karate or a person or a faction of a TV show, he's definitely Cobra Kai. Strike first, strike that first, no mercy. That is definitely a blaze right there. Now to flip it, because Vader had an opportunity to talk about you. If you had to describe Vader's game and make some sort of a reference in comparison to how he plays Risk, what would that comparison let's, let's, be? Let's see how accurate he's going to be. Let's, I, I'm interested <laughs> to hear this. I tell him, we used to have a chat group all the time it, um, for the Risk group that we had. We were playing every weekend, pretty much. We were playing Risk Steady as the same group of people. Actually, we made a video of it when I was in my early journalism days. I put it on YouTube. It's like really, really bad quality, but it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of funny. No, but, but, nah, but it was my early days, so it was like... Vader won the game actually in the one that we recorded, but it was like just a highlight clip. Anyways, we had a running chat group and I just always say, yo, Vader, Doug, I see what you're doing. Yo. I see what you're doing. You know, I see what you're doing. So in general, he's, he's got this persona that you feel like he's harmless and you feel like he's looking out for your best interests and you feel like you're safe and you're secure. And I'd be like, Doug, I see what you're doing. You know, I see what you're doing. <laughs> And he'd be like, what? I'm not doing anything. But it's more like that. Like he's got, he lets everybody feel, he lulls them into this, this nice safe space. Let me, let me cut to the chase. And then, uh, and then use he, it. Blaze is doing his thing. He's going a roundabout way, not really saying anything. So Blaze as a fighter, as a competitor, he's, he's a striker, right? Okay. He's going to, he's going to strike first. He's going to be on the offensive. I am more like Mayweather. I'm more like a counter puncher, right? Okay. I'm more, I'm, that's, that's my style. Like, again, and you, if, if you tune in more often, you'll hear I'm, I'm, I'm also, I'm the equalizer. I won't strike first. I won't throw out that first stone. I won't give that first disc. Cause as you know, when you tune into the healthy conversation, blaze is the first to bring in a, your ex, <laughs> disc or ex joke. You do that. On a regular. Was. You do that on a regular. No. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a counter puncher. That's really what, that's really my style. And the same thing goes for risk. Like I'll move, but, Hey, you crossed the line. Now I'm reacting to you crossing the line. That's how it is. It's it's funny. My grandma, being from Trinidad, uh, God rest her soul. Really? Oh, big up. Used, yeah, used to used to always tell me never start a fight, but end a fight. So I'm never going to be the one to strike first. But if I am struck or someone moves on me, Facts. I'm going to make sure that there are no more strikes being thrown. Facts. And so that's what you sort of remind me of. And it's funny because, you know, speaking to a Canadian icon, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that word, um, Donovan Bailey, he said the same thing, both when he was growing up and him as a father now. It's, you know, you don't teach your kids to fight, but what you do is you teach your kids to defend themselves and not let anyone ever take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. And if someone hits you, you hit them back harder. You hit them so they never want to hit you again. And to me analyzing the risk, you know, players, you know, we have Cobra Kai, AKA a blaze. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Floyd Mayweather, AKA Vader games. I love it. This is, this is a great dynamic. Mayweather. 
And it's an interesting. Yeah, it's accurate. It's it's interesting because that was that was Gordy the Jerk's uh, argument for the greatest athlete of oh, all time. Yeah, this guy. Yeah. And I don't yeah. I don't want to harp on that too much because he's not here to defend his terrible take. But what I do want to <laughs> say and segue into that conversation is both of you. Uh, when having this debate on who is the greatest athlete of all time, have talked very strongly for the case of Usain Bolt. And I chimed in on your show, as I do almost every single week, multiple times throughout the stream. Always appreciated. Mm, Appreci- appreciate you guys. Um, I'm a big Michael Phelps guy. And I think it's the same and similar arguments that you make for Usain Bolt. And I think, I think it's interesting because none of us picked – a mainstream sport or a- or athlete from a mainstream sport. We picked Olympians that only really get to excel on a global stage when it comes to marketing every couple of years. There are world championships every single year, but they don't garner the same viewership, marketing, respect that an NBA championship or a Wimbledon title mm-hmm. or a you know Stanley Cup would do in regular sports. So just walking me through your ideas of why Usain Bolt is the greatest athlete of all time. I'm gonna start with you, Blaze, and then we'll go to Vader. Why why Bolt is? Why Bolt is? Well, I think there's a bunch of different layers as to why you I, me personally I'd put him. Um one is when you see the athlete, do you remember them? Uh the other one is do you want to be like this athlete? And if you do want to be like that athlete, obviously they're marketable. And then the actual physical prowess, right? Okay. In, in, in any sport, I can't think of many athletes that were that charismatic when the camera lens was on them. Uh, okay. How comfortable someone was with that many eyes on them at a moment when you had one specific thing to do and there are no mistakes allowed. You don't have four quarters. You don't have two halves. It's just now do it and get it done. I feel like capturing the moment in sports in general is a huge deal, capitalizing on a moment. And there's no larger capitalization than in track and field, especially the 100 meters. So he did that repeatedly. To do that multiple times in the Olympics, I think, is phenomenal. Now, running is done by everybody. Everybody's tried to see how fast they can go on their feet. Um <laughs> And everybody, I remember, and Vader probably had this issue too. Once they hear you run track, everyone's like, oh, I could beat you. I could, I, I, I could, let's race. I could beat you. And the funny thing is, like, um, I don't think people really understand how fast he is. Like, me personally, my fastest time in the 100 meters, 10.04, windy, 10.12, legal. I don't know how many people you've met before, Julian, but you're not, you probably met no one nearly as fast as me. Not even close. No, not even close. Unless, except for Donovan. Right. Donovan, obviously, right. Okay, so, but I'm just saying, like, Donovan, when you really think about it, 9.84, that's, like, three, three tenths? Right. Two tenths in between there, and it's, like, this seems like nothing. And it really is nothing in the grand scheme of things, but when right. you're going that fast, you're covering that much ground, it's, it's a good distance. But you look at what Bolt is doing. He's separating himself from sprinters like us who are, like, way faster than the grand population. So what he was doing with his body is is unheard of. It's unheard of. And it's fun to watch. And he's someone you'll never forget. You go and watch a bolt race, whether it's live or on TV, it's like, 
it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a staple in your memory forever. So I think with all those characteristics and the consistency, and the dominance, it's hard to argue against that, man. In my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, long-winded. Long-winded. <laughs> I covered a lot there. He said, but you said a lot there. That that's the main yeah. difference this time. Yeah, I'm not sure what what more I can actually add on to that, but I'll try. Um, track and field. Running the hundred is often I compare that to soccer or football. Like it honestly is the a worldly sport, right? Everyone in the world plays football, plays soccer, depending on where you are. Everyone runs track or everyone's attempted to run track. Everyone understands the concept of trying to be fast. The reason why I give Bolt that edge, and I think when we were talking about it, we were talking like most dominant athlete, right? Yeah. Um, but even with regards to like almost like greatest athlete uh, definitely within an olympic lens i have to give that to bolt because it is a discipline that everyone can do i mean there there are some privileges you can kind of give to certain countries with regards to facilities and aquatics and if they're swimming so not everyone is in the same field to compete um and or has the same level of sophistication kind of trained for it but when you really think about running depending, I guess, climate within your country, everyone can do it. And his, the, the thing that, the, the reason why there's so much love for me in track and field and, and running is because with regards to standards and, a rec- and records, they're kept. Like there's right. other sports that are played, but you're not going to be like, who's had the furthest dunk in NBA history or who's <laughs> hit, the, you know, who's, um, who shot the most, who scored the most in the least amount of time. Like there's, there's no measurements like that, but it happens in track and field. So you know that the person that's done it and when they do set a record, whether it's a world record or Olympic record, nobody, nobody in the world has done that. So, right. so memorable moments like that and the fact that he was able to fend off the challenges like Olympic cycle after Olympic cycle, it's, it's it's uncanny, and I I see your Michael Phelps. So, you know, I'll I'll definitely look at that and want to give it a comparison. But but running, man, it's it's different. So so I get it. Everybody everybody can run, and I'm gonna come back to this in a second because I really like to push Anson's buttons on this, and I know I'm gonna get a good reaction for what I have to say. Can you swim, but can you swim Julian? Can you swim? For, I can swim. You go on? I can I can so. swim, and I can swim better than i probably run now thanks to covid but uh but it is something that 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 i can do but i the point i want to make about michael phelps and Mm -hmm. listening to what you guys have to say about usain bolt like i completely like understand i respect that argument the only thing i would add for michael phelps is that he had more disciplines in which he competed and that's and that's and and but here's the thing (laughs) it's 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 not a knock on bolt because racing at 100 meters and 200 meters is very different than having to sustain for 400 meters and i totally understand that but i'm talking about different like techniques as far as the butterfly the breaststroke the backstroke all of all of the strokes involving and at different levels he competed very similar to what usain bolt did and he also did it for maybe a longer stretch of time competing in more Olympics than Usain Bolt did and having the most medals. So when you talk about what are you remembered for, how was someone dominated? The one thing that Michael Phelps has that may get broken eventually, but 
but as to right now, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. And that is a title that will go down with him, at least right now, is he'll always be remembered mm-hmm. as that athlete. And I know <laughs> I'm scared to look up because I have a feeling <laughs> you're going to have some things to say, which I'm always, you know, there for. I would just say that I don't know. I, you can make the argument 1A, 1B for me, at least in my mind. I don't think that there's any two athletes that come close to either of those because they're the only real athletes. Tom Brady, greatest football player of all time, not a great athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jordan, good athlete greatest basketball player of all time but he's doesn't compare when it comes to athleticism Mm -hmm. to the same level of these guys who put their bodies into all of this so (laughs) whoever wants to go first go ahead tell me why i'm wrong about michael phelps and his disciplines yeah vader so i'm I'm gonna ask one question first before i I go in what just rattle off some of those different disciplines so I, we're talking about uh, butterfly. We're talking about, uh, I guess, uh, breaststroke, front stroke. We're talking about different uh, race lengths as well. When we're talking about sprinting, whether we're talking about doing it for a longer period of time, right. none of so, that does and, anything for and, you. And his specialty was from like, what, two, like 100, like 100 meter. I, so I, that, I, I'm not sure what the, the shortest discipline is, so, but okay, I get it. Thank so, you. With track and right. field, if they, if they, <laughs> right. if, sure. they, if they ever invented, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be ridiculous for the sake of proving that one, <laughs> but if they ever invented the 100-meter reverse sprint or the 200-meter okay. re- reverse sprint um, or the 200-meter sideways sprint <laughs> and the 100-meter sideways sprint, because all different forms of being fast, covering the covering water, but sure. in this case, it's covering land. Bolt would be that guy. So he'd win. Let's say he'd win the freestyle in the hundred. He'd okay. win the breaststroke in the hundred. <laughs> he'd he'd win the reverse stroke in the hundred. Right. So right. they're different sports. I get it. But if they ever did covering distance on land, running forward, running backwards, running sideways. Bolt would be the most decorated Olympian. Okay. Right. I think I think that um freestyle and backstroke to me seem like the most interesting um swimming disciplines to me because they're pretty pretty straightforward, even though they're not straightforward. But I feel like all the extra strokes and the extra disciplines in a way, no pun intended, um things become a little bit watered down when you have all these different disciplines. You see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm very, to me, I'm very, and maybe it's because of my track field background. I'm very interested in the hundred meter freestyle and even the 50 meter freestyle, but more so the hundred meter freestyle. Cause I like the fact that they have to, um, you know, they got different um, levels of people who are able to push off of the wall and the return and still measures endurance and stuff like that. So I like the hundred meter freestyle and that's, that's kind of the big one. Now to me, the person who wins that won the best rate of the race of the competition. I'm not sure of his record as far as that discipline, but like all the extra disciplines to me, it just seems like extra, just like extra hardware for some obscure, obscure disciplines, which a lot of people aren't going to do. Not even that many, 
not everybody swims in first place. So all these different strokes. I can't remember. Have you ever done a breaststroke? A breaststroke? I said breaststroke. You ever done a breaststroke? Breaststroke is very, very basic. Very basic. The butterfly is mm-hmm. arguably the most ridiculous stroke of all time. I haven't done either of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just doing my freestyle and that's it. So it's like. This is going to sound like I'm. I'm crapping all over Phelps, and I I hate. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do that either. I don't do it either. Phenomenal I don't athlete. Do that either. Right. But the fastest the fastest form of swimming is freestyle. Right. Yes. So when, and I I watch all Olympics. I I love the nature of the Olympics. I love the spirit. So I'll watch the other swimming styles, but at the end of the day, I want to see who's covering the distance, the fastest, yes. if that's the freestyle, great. The breaststroke, the butterfly, what's the point? You're you're covering you're covering 100 meters of water, but you're still slower than the freestyler. Okay. I get that you're doing it faster with a different form, but you're slower than the freestyler. Like speed is my thing. Like need for speed, that's what I like. So I ha- it's got it's got its love, it's got its fan base. I get it. I'm I'm not a truist. I'm not a purist when it comes to swimming, but when it comes to speed, who's doing it the fastest? If if freestyle's the fastest, I love it. I love it. I actually did a little homework, a little research back in the day, and like the freestyle was actually a banned form of swimming. Yep. What? But yeah, like that wasn't the that wasn't a natural form. Like they they were swimming with the breaststroke and the butterfly, and then someone came in from I think North America. I think I think they were Canadian. I think they might have been actually like native, like native Canadian, mm-hmm. and their style was freestyle, and they tried to ban it. It's too fast. It was killing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's then now just... it's now the most common stroke in any swimming competition. Mm. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's the fastest one. That's the go-to. That's it. Speed. That's the rescue. That's the rescue swim right there. Uh, Maybe... if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm drowning, dog, I don't want to see no one coming towards me doing the butterfly, dog. You better be. You better get to be fast, yo. But that, but that would be like the coolest thing cinematically for yeah. someone yeah, to be just doing that butterfly. You know, it's like if we're gonna film it and we're gonna make it into like a movie scene where like The Rock is and Baywatch two and Anson <laughs> is slowly going down and there's like a shark yeah, I might get circling upset, him. I mean, you're doing too much, dog. Get here now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the rock comes up, and you know, he comes out of the water, and he just gives you like the eyebrow, and then disappears back down. It comes back up. And... You actually did that kind of smooth. You've been practicing that. <laughs> hey, listen, the, the rocks, the rocks, my guy. You know, You're um, the the rock is my guy. And speaking of the rock, there's a perfect transition to this. You know, I didn't, I didn't hit you with this guys in the notes, but it's a conversation that Anson and I actually, as part of the Good Rookies podcast, did many, many moons ago. We talked about the impact of COVID on the CFL and the fact that they had to cancel their season. And now the hopes is that in 2021 that they're able to do it. I believe they are set to begin sometime in June and the idea is that they're going to roll it out. And we talked about some of the factors as to why COVID hit them the hardest. One, they have a singular television deal. So their own the TV rights are owned strictly by TSN. That hurts them. They are a gate-driven league. They mm-hmm. need people to buy tickets. That hurt them. So they're not really getting a whole lot of help. They asked for an absorbent amount of money, and the Canadian government was like, we'll give it to hockey instead because, well, we know that there's some way. Surprise, surprise. Well, they know that somehow, some way, they'll be able to recoup something back from 
that organization through TV deals, through contracts, through sponsorships, which is why they all have, you know, stickers on their helmets now Mm -hmm. and on their jerseys. The CFL was way different. But here comes the shining light. And it's going to be in a newspaper sometime probably within the next month. Oh, inside information. The Rock saves the CFL. The Rock, the Rock quietly purchased the rights to the XFL when Vince McMahon went bankrupt after their last attempt to come back, which I believe was last year. Yeah. And him and his business partner, who's his ex-wife, great dynamic duo, uh, bought the XFL and all of the rights associated with it and are now currently in negotiations to strike some sort of deal with the CFL. I'm hoping it's not a merger, but probably something in relation to allowing players to go back and forth, kind of maybe like a two-way contract, and really getting back to like the deal that the CFL once had with the NFL, where players could make that transfer. And I think that helps the CFL. It hurts them a little bit because the XFL has no success ever in their history of a sport but when you have the rock who doesn't miss much Terramana tequila uh all of his movies he saved the fast and furious you know central intelligence like he does <laughs> amazing things he really elevated under armor to another level yeah, through project fair. rock i mean this has to be in my mind from a consumer perspective something to finally be excited about because if the CFL ran the same product out that they did prior to COVID, it's not going to work. They need innovation in a league that doesn't scream innovation. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, either hearing this for the first time or, or reading about this at all, with the potential XFL-CFL deal and the rock at the helm of the XFL? Well, I'll say off the jump, I'm, I'm automatically very interested in what it's going to look like because he's affiliated with it. I see, I see all the time the CFL, he holds it dear to his heart because it's, it has a lot to do with him becoming a man. I mean, For originally sure. he was, it put him on a path on the path that he's on today. So he's always had um, a fondness for it. So I think that that's, he'll approach it with a passion that um, would be necessary to have it thrive. Um, he's got reach. Um, and I think the merger whatever or whatever happens with them in the XFL would be cool just because it's different. It, it shakes things up a little bit. The things have become a little bit mundane with the CFL. I, I, I can't, I can't ever say I've been totally interested in the CFL unless the Argonauts were involved, but that's just because I'm a Toronto guy. So you know what I'm saying? Aside from that, CFL didn't interest me as much as a lot of other Canadians and most Canadians feel the same way. So I think this is good. It'll, it'll shake it up. And I like I like football in Canada. I like the idea of having football in Canada and um, us being a part of that world because it's it's so big in the states in the, with the NFL and for us to have. I mean, we got our own league, really. Yeah. It's, so it's for it to be something big would be nice. And if he's affiliated with it, yo, it's only gonna, it's only going to be can only get way bigger. I'm excited, man. I'm actually. I actually wouldn't be upset if they tried to expand it. Like, would be upset? I wouldn't. And the, oh. the only reason, hear me out, the only reason why is because the, the amount of attention that's paid or put into sports in the U.S., I think if you had a lot more, quote-unquote, like Americans just being eager to be good in this, CFL slash XFL 
I don't know, four additional teams. I don't know what it, I don't know what it would be, but because of how Americans go into sport, I think it would force like an influx of more being put into the CFL just by like, just by effect. Um, that might be a pie in the sky idea, but the rock hasn't been missing on things that he's been putting his money and time into. Yo, seriously. Like ballers that show, I didn't think I was going to like it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, you know, movies in terms of action movies, he hasn't missed yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what happens and if it's going to keep the league going, because again, the CFL needs to live. It, it can't die off. It has to be, it, it's, it's part of our tradition, our style of football. Um, yeah. It needs to come back. I mean, they've got, they've got a rich history, right? Like 107 years, I think, or at least 107 plus years of running in the CFL. Um, actually had American teams. I think up to five U.S. teams at one point or actually a part of the CFL um, previous to this. So, I mean, we had like Vegas. We had Sacramento. Baltimore had a team. Okay. Um, there was another name that I can't pronounce, uh, but Birmingham and Memphis also had teams. And actually in uh, 1995, the Stallions – that uh, belonged to Baltimore actually won the Great Cup, so it's like the first and only time oh, uh, the uh, non-Canadian team won a Great Cup in the CFL. Okay. And so, like, we have the history of American teams playing in the CFL. I don't know if that's the fix. I don't know if it's expansion that does them well, but I definitely think that they'll need some sort of TV deal, whether it's like with ESPN, the Ocho. Or like Fox Sports or Desportes, right. like you know seven, <laughs> that are going to give the rights. They need to be able to move away from just TSN because having a right. singular television contract hey. is one of the things that is killing them. Need competition. One hundred percent. Well, if the rocks involved, I doubt it would. It wouldn't be a TS thing, TSN thing anymore. Right. You know, you be, know what I'm thinking. I think it would be, be like, like the some, Rocks Television like the, Network. Maybe or my <laughs> partner. My partner with the zone or something like that, like uh, streaming, everything's going streaming now. Like, I feel like that would probably be a route that he would go. But mm-hmm. uh, he's not going to partner with TSN. No. He, why would he do that? It would never I think, happen. I think one of the things that they could really do is you talked about the, the success of like a zone right now. You're throwing tons of money at like Canelo Alvarez, had the EPL rights, has like a ton of things under its belt. But the CFL doesn't have to look far. It had one of the greatest mobile applications when it comes to any major organization, when it comes to their interaction, when it comes to their contact, way better than like an NFL app or NBA app. The CFL app was fantastic. What they could really do is utilize that already created technology and see the success that these smaller companies have had. See the success of games being streamed on Twitter, on YouTube, on Yahoo, and say, okay, we're going to come and create a new way of generating money and we're going to call we're going to charge $10 a month or $4 a month whatever they can expand for the 12 months and say you want to watch your game in market out of market subscribe on our application instead of having to watch it on your TV cuz more often than not mm. I'll be honest I bought a 70 inch TV uh, Black Friday. You're rich. You're rich. Sure. 70 inch TV for Black Friday, hoping that one day I'll be able to watch something on it. I'm still watching sports on my phone while my <laughs> wife is watching whatever television show she wants to on the big 70 inch. And you know what she tells me? I don't even know the difference. Why do we have a bigger TV? It was yeah, the most they, ridiculous oh, comment. They, always, they tend to say that. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, the CFL has some built in ideas, I guess. 
but you know if you if you were going to pitch the rock and we're going to go like shark tank style you get one idea to pitch the rock to say hey this is a cool innovative thing that you should do in order to make the cfl xfl partnership work and now i mean go big go bold go realistic but what would your pitch be let's start with vader see you're putting me on the spot because i hate i hate giving gems and not getting because obviously i'm cutting myself out of some income here right <laughs> consultation fees but um two things one continue to look at the nfl which has been labeled the no fun league for for many reasons and again pick have a consensus and what they're not doing which fans are kind of begging for or wanting bring that to the cfl because you already okay. know, you already know that one of your major competitors is not doing this. So you right. bring that to your sport. That's that's one. The second, and I'm piggybacking off what you said with regards to the tech is there. Bring the game to your mobile devices. And the reason why I say bring it to your mobile devices and especially to your phone is because what's happening now. This generation is all about sharing. They're all yep. about. So if you're able to clip a moment within the game where your your favorite player just caught a TD or broke some tackles, but you're able to like catch that 30 second action video and you're the first to kind of post it on social media. And yeah, kind of, like that's where a lot of traction happens. And that share quality is what's going to like allow you to start trending within the social media apps and things of that nature. If you make that, if you make that like a, a real key thing to your sport and you have the viewers kind of doing the legwork for you, that's kind of like my elevator pitch, and I can't give any more. I can't give. <laughs> Anson, what do you got they, for me? They they need to hire both of you guys. <laughs> mine's mine's actually pretty simple. They need to recruit track athletes. I think that there's a lot of athletes that try to go into the NFL. No, listen, a lot of them try to go into the NFL. There's not enough gaps. There's not enough. There's not and you, the level of football skill you need to be in the NFL needs to be a lot higher in the NFL. So a lot smaller field. It's a and you're Wait, not really going to see CFL the players? speed. I'm not dissing. What I'm saying is they have more space to work with. It's, it's just, the it's rules a, it's of the a, game and the functions of the game allow for a different set of skills when yes. it comes to even the break before the line of scrimmage. You're getting a running start as opposed to starting statically. Huge, exactly. huge factor. Exactly. So a lot of track athletes struggle to make money in, in the track world once they come out of college. You know what I'm saying? So they wanna they wanna try and use their speed to go into the NFL. It's more than likely not gonna happen. And if you do get on a team, you're gonna be on the practice squad or might get on special teams. Career is gonna be one or two years. But if you're in the CFL and you know the the football skill, I'm not I'm not hating on the football skill. I'm just saying the <laughs> skill isn't as high and it's a much wider field. And people are able to see this type of speed on the football field of some 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 track athletes that are elite. You know what I'm saying? I think that could add to some dynamic football, man. It's something totally different. Something that the NFL would not have. You see some fast guys in the NFL, it wouldn't even compare. They'd have faster guys in the CFL, XFL, whatever you whatever you, whatever you end up calling it. The there are faster no bad guys ideas. would be there in are, that league. There are no bad ideas. This is a safe space. That's right. Uh, it's I can see it, that. I can see it. Big news, Manscaped has just launched in Canada. So for all of my Canadian listeners, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Gentlemen, we've all been there before. 
getting ready for a night out of the town, trying to keep things nice, clean, and trim, trying to navigate into those hard-to-reach areas, ultimately resulting in a nick that puts a damper on the beginning of your night. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball trimmer ever created, and now we have the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce those grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this for yourself firsthand. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEBIGO20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Don't forget to use the code THEBIGO20. Your balls will thank you. I wasn't I wasn't going to bring this up because I knew it was going <laughs> to open a can of worms as far as, you know, athletes or uh, sorry, football players thinking that they could be track stars. Um, but I but but I know it's it's the opposite. What Anson is saying is the complete opposite. Track stars being football stars, especially in a game like the CFL. My pitch, super simple. It's something that's already been done, but let's just do it better. Okay, it's a two-tiered approach. Let's mic the players and let's mic all of the players. Okay, let's get mics on them with a delay, with a time delay. No time delay, and here and that's the second part of my pitch. Okay, so no time delay. Mic all of the players on the quarterback or like your just your star safety or cornerback. You can even have like maybe a small helmet camera. Cameras are so small now, you can do it right. So now we're getting different angles, and this goes to the second part is the way we make the app even better. We have a free app. Anybody can download it, okay? No problem. But then we have the Plus app that everybody is going to, the CFL Plus. It's an 18 over application. Okay. You now have no time delay, and you get to hear every single thing that goes on on the field of any of the mic'd players. So you can hear the swearing. You can hear the name calling. You can hear whatever you hear on the we, field We've talked about battle. this before. And I think, again, there are going to be some people that are going to want to hear that stuff. You're being responsible. You're not allowing anybody under the age of you know consent or majority to download this app. But there are going to be some 30-year-old guys who once played in the league or have some sort of idea who get together with their buddies and want all the smoke. They want to hear what's going on. Mm. Do you know how many people would have paid thousands of dollars if they had the opportunity to hear Tom Brady and Tyron Matthews conversation that took place at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know what was said. We know it wasn't great, but you know how many people would have loved to have hear that? Not for the cancel culture side of it, yeah. but just the field of battle to hear <clears throat> one of the greatest football players of all time in the heat of the moment, lose it for just a second and see that and hear that competitiveness, you know, come out of his mouth. What, yeah. what, what do you think? <laughs> I don't want to derail you, man, because <laughs> we've had this conversation before it, similarly. And I mean, the reason why people spend big money to get courtside when we're talking NBA is for that very thing. They want to right. hear the players say any and everything. They want to kind of hear some of the whispers of the coaches berating the refs. They want to hear all of that, right? There's 
a huge distance between the sideline and now the NFL, the CFL that we're talking about. Right. Some of those conversations though, like those conversations really shouldn't be recorded. And the, I say that, be, I, I only say that because, uh, I only say that because the players kind of have a little shank, sanctuary on, on the field. Like, okay. Right. So they know that there's what they're saying is being heard by opposing players or their teammates. When you bring in the mic and everything goes, and trust me, everything is said on the field. Yeah. I don't think that can, I don't think I'm going to call them citizens. Like if you're not playing, you're a citizen. You're a citizen. I right. don't think they'll, I don't think they'll get it. I don't think they'll understand that for 60 minutes or the amount of the game, I'm in rage mode. I don't care about your kids. I don't care about your wife. I don't yeah. like, I'm going to say all kinds of crazy things just to throw you right. off. And they like citizens won't understand that once the whistle goes and I'm now walking to the locker, we're friends again. I, right. Like that's unfortunately, I don't think that, I don't think that can work. Um, but the reason why I say that now, if it was time delayed, okay. The, the reason, the only reason for the time to delay is that you would still need someone in the booth. And again, it wouldn't be every player couldn't be mic'd up. Right. You would still need to monitor and be like, okay, we heard that. We actually can't let you hear that. <laughs> right. Okay. So we'll give, there's a little bit of that freedom that you're talking about, but I think, man, some of the things that are said are like, you're talking about race. You're talking about religion. You're like, and it's just to throw you off. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. heartfelt. Uh, it's not genuine in terms of like, I believe this, but if I see a chink in your armor, I'm going to say it just to get you off your game. And I, it's not because I believe it, but I'm trying to throw you off. Yeah. I think, I think that, Entertainment wise, it'd be amazing, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the players are going to think of it because the conversations are going to change once they know they're mic'd up. <laughs> for all, for sure. A lot 100%. of things, and, and they may end up complaining down the line, like I can't even do my thing out there now. We got these mics around this, <laughs> you know. So it might, it might, it might. But it, man, that would be sick, though. That would be sick. Man. So I know I know The Rock watches my podcast, and so now he can just go ahead and say, well, we've just X'd what this guy, the host of the show, said. Yo. I now can hire Vader as the screener. I don't even make it on to, to Shark Tank now. You know how like you probably oh, have to pitch to somebody? Do you know you have to pitch to somebody, and they probably screen it being like, okay, yeah, we can see how like the sharks might like this, and we'll put you on TV? Nah, man, I'm I'm on like the cutting room floor. I didn't even oh, they didn't even record my pitch. I'm just, I'm out. And it's cool. I get it, man. I get no, it. Uh, I got the great. face for radio. No, 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 don't cool. do you, guys no, drop, the, you guys both drop some gems. The pitch is great. No, the pitch is great. I think we can just, yes. I think we can refine it. And But to your point, maybe you are right. Maybe it is an extreme premium that you pay for, for that unadulterated commentary, right? But it would be vicious, man. You know what they say in the, you know what you say in the heat of battle, like, ugh. Oh, yeah. But he, here's the thing. Vader was talking about how, you know, you add all of these different disciplines to track and field and Usain Bolt wins them all. I think Vader takes the gold medal every time against Usain Bolt in the backpedaling race because he walked it back <laughs> real good there. And that was it was slick with it. He was smooth. I don't know, Vader. I think I think you just lost the argument now of Usain Bolt being the greatest because no one is gonna be able to defeat you. You know what? In that one. That's what makes me so good at risk. <laughs> That's what makes me so good at risk. Oh uh, man. So uh you know talking Talking Olympic athletes, talking all of this innovation, we're going to see 
hopefully we're going to see something that we haven't seen. I don't think ever. And maybe my, my Olympic knowledge is not the, you know, the best, but have we ever had an Olympic games with no, either no fans or no outside fans of the host country? Cause it looks like we're about to see that starting this summer with the 2020 slash 2021 Olympic games taking place in, uh, in Tokyo, you know, what, what are your thoughts? I know Anson and I have gone back and forth about, you know, whether this should happen, should not happen. What are our thoughts? But explain, Anson, your feelings on what we're about to see come summer of 2021. Um, I'm a little worried. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little worried. Uh, I feel like um, the atmosphere is such a big variable when it comes to the Olympics in all of the sports. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things that show up in our dreams when we think about that moment. And I'll tell you, and Vader can tell you from firsthand experience as well, when you walk out of that tunnel into the stadium and there's fans from all over the world, you, you hear different languages from from all over this, in this enormous stadium you you understand what it is you understand where you are it's what the games is about now, i'm not saying that it totally takes away from what the games is about but i will say that the joining of various countries coming to one place whether it's on the field or off the field is one of the biggest things so atmospheric wise it's going to be totally different and i don't i don't know if the experience is going to be the same for the athletes or for the viewers uh, but I'm hoping visually, you know, um, broadcasters are, are able to still get something out of it. But uh, I feel it for the athletes the most just because I feel like the, the true Olympic experience, at least up to this date, the true Olympic experience, they're not going to experience that. So um, I don't know. I, I love the Olympics, so I want to see, you know, see it no matter what it looks like. Right. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as as good as some of the olympics in the past i hope i hope i'm proven wrong but uh i i'm ha i'm still excited for it believe it or not after what i just said i'm still excited for it but that's right. me you know what i'm saying <laughs> I'm, I'm an olympic i'm an olympic fan through and through so um we'll see what happens i just i just hope they're able to put something something good together i mean you know me like i'm an olympic purist so it's just the competition that I want to witness. Uh, it's going to look extremely different. Like Blaze was saying, you're not going to have fans from all across the world, like in the stadium or in the aquatic centers or, you know, at all the other uh, other events. So that's going to be a little weird. But like the Olympic athlete needs to compete. Like when you've devoted and for, for many, it's it's not for it's more than four years of commitment, right? For many athletes, it's it's been a it's a journey. It's something that they've thought about since being a kid, and for some, it's a discipline that they started preparing for, and like as they were teens. So, no matter what age you are, to compete or to to live your Olympic dream, it needs to happen. So the Olympics need to happen. Um, if it's just the local fans, I mean, the good thing about where the Olympics are happening, like that fan base, they are like they, they love they love the olympics they've they've actually hosted winter they've hosted um summer olympics before so 
oh man, I just, I feel for the athlete in this one. And I don't, yeah. and when it comes down to the competition now, whether, no, no, I'm talking with a track lens, even if they're not competing at Olympic record standards or world record standards, I'm not going to care. Like, I just want to see who's the best from what country for this event. Like, I just want to see that. And um, hopefully with the, with the tech that's happening right now, it's, is going to be more accessible for people to enjoy and it just doesn't just need to be consumed over tv like hopefully they just get it out there as best as they can so everyone can like have the moment that that's needed because you you can't cancel the olympics this cancel culture can't cancel <laughs> the olympics yeah i just and I, and I hope the fans that like in general around the world are more optimistic about the olympics happening i know a lot of people are like no you can't have it no how are you guys having this i don't want anti-olympics an anti-Olympics movement mm-hmm. to be going on while it's happening. I don't um, Hopefully everybody's just, you know, at peace with it happening and everyone's all optimistic about it because I don't want to have to be dealing with people berating it the entire time it's on. I think, I, I think it'll be fine. I think it's one of those things that you'll probably get it, get that sort of attitude and, and talk up until it starts. And then once it starts, everyone shuts up and it's like, all right, well, the Olympics is on. And right. you know, it's like, we, we have mm-hmm. to oppose this. And then once it starts, it's, all right, let's go Team Canada. Let's go Andre de Grasse. Let's go, you know, let's win a gold. And then they celebrate it. And then they look back and be like, I guess it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. Because that's exactly what happened with the NBA and the NHL, right? So the NBA and NHL, they set the precedent as to what they were going to do. Hell, you can even throw the WWE in there and the UFC because the UFC was really the first sport that got cracking. They decided to devote their time and resources to upgrading their UFC Apex in Vegas they moved to Abu Dhabi to host fights and built on this private land, this amazing structure. And they didn't even pay for it. Like Abu Dhabi paid for it. They just basically came and used it as they needed to because the, you know, the sheiks of Abu Dhabi got to actually, you know, go and watch and they invested all of this money and this cool accommodations. And so the Olympics has had the longest time of any major sporting competition to see what everyone has done. Soccer returned in Europe. Soccer returned globally. Basketball happened. Hockey happened. The only thing the Olympics is going to deal with that nobody else has dealt with right now is the outdoor games. Because they've shown in an aquatic center, in an indoor arena, you can have cameras, you can have paper cutouts, you can have all of these things to make the aesthetic of a filled or packed stadium and pump in atmosphere noise. But when you get to something like the outdoor tracks... It's going to look and be different. And now you have to be innovative to how do you make that content amicable for both athlete and viewer because you still want those high television ratings. You know, every sport that has returned, all of their television ratings have gone down. Super Bowl, the World Series, Stanley Cup Final, NBA Final, everything has trended downwards because of COVID. The Olympics has the opportunity after seeing everything, sitting back in the cut to be like, all right, let's go break the world with what we're about to do. Do you think the Olympics has the ability to do that? Or do you think that they're just going to try to to get the games to work and just hope that it ends without any positive test and they'll call that a victory? Well, I think that anything I've seen happen in Japan has usually been at a high level. I think that um, it's... Uh, it's a big deal for them when they do things to do it right. So I think that, um, I mean, 
with what they can do, they're going to do the best they can do. Right. I don't think it's going to be a just, I don't think that it's going to be a situation where they're just trying to throw something together in here. Right. I think that um, preparation, uh, uh, they, they were ready, they were ready for the games like almost two years before, like in 2018, they were pretty much ready right. from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as things happening quickly, um, you know, they can do it. They've proven to be able to do it in Japan. So um, I think that, I think the product they put together would be the best that could be done possibly. And I think it'll, it'll be at the level of what we've been able to see with some of the sports that we've had so far. I mean, even the CEBL was able to put something together. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, seriously. And I, and I think, I think it's just a matter of, um, it's just a matter of, there's just so many hoops you have to go through when you're dealing with so many businesses, so many sponsors, so many corporations, so many uh, broadcasters. I think, they have a lot more hoops, but I think that um, I think they're gonna get get it done as best possible. I think it's gonna be at a high level. Man, you're, I'm you're, optimistic about it. Your wordplay tonight, you know, <laughs> swimming, water down, CEBL hoops, like you're you're killing it tonight. It just happens, you know. what I'm saying is, I'm just a, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a vessel. Just Vader, a vessel. what are your thoughts? What what do you think? Uh, what do you think that we could expect, and what do you think will actually happen with the the Olympics this summer? Uh, I'm hoping for the best. Sure. Um, and I think, like Blaze was saying, I think they're going to put on a really good show with regards to being. Uh, they're going to they're going to prevent the athletes from being at risk as best as possible. Um, they're going to best control with like have really good cult control with regards to the crowds. Um, and having the events go off without a hitch. My my thing were, as you mentioned, with the regards to outdoor sports, though, I don't think there's any way of avoiding the visual of it being empty. Like, I don't think that the events are going to be at capacity with regards to spectators. That being said, if you are then going to be presenting it, and I hate giving these gems for free, but if you're going to be presenting it, it's just a matter of manipulating the camera angles so that it's more of a focus of the sport that you're covering as opposed right. to those that are like necessarily celebrating with, with the players, right? Or with the athletes. So if they change up the angles, especially with regards to, again, the track and field lens on, like it's going to be, a, it, sh- it should just be a lot tighter with regards to focus on the athletes, their lanes, their discipline, not so much panning out to show, you know, the stands that may be kind of sparse um and kind of and kind of do it that way but like i said if you're an athlete you just want to compete you just want you just want to prove that you're better than the next person like that's really what drives you so get like make sure the olympics happen present it in a way that's most pleasing and if the crowds are kind of small then don't show them like right yeah no they did their best not to show the crowds with regards to nba games yeah yeah i mean like I remember in 2019 at the World Championships they had it in Doha and because of the time that it needed to be broadcasted, it was really late over there. So and it was empty most of the time. And it, it didn't didn't look good, man. It didn't sound good. <laughs> they didn't hundred meter final was sparse. Then they started giving tickets away for free. And then it ended up being crowded no matter how late it was. But it was it was very noticeable. So and they're gonna they're gonna have to be creative. That's one thing UFC did. You know, they still broadcasted on North American time for their pay per views, which meant that fighters were literally fighting at like 
3 mm. 4 a.m in the morning because we we need to adjust right and, right, and the nba right. did a great job they started putting cameras they had the fan interaction as long as the olympics doesn't go down the road of what fox did when they had the nhl rights and they had like the streak following the puck right which was absolutely awful th- then we're, g- we're gonna be okay like we're gonna yeah, we're gonna be fine get, yeah um two other things you know it, it's funny we refer to no olympians gimmicks. No gimmicks, yeah. Don't be cheap with the gimmicks. If mm-hmm. you're gonna do something, do great. Like all sports have embraced the like, 8K camera that has been revolutionized. We saw it with the NFL. It looks like a video game. Let's let's see some innovation like that. Donovan Bailey once referred to Olympic athletes or Olympians as his fans, and I want to know, you know, because he was an Olympic gold medalist, so he saw everybody else who didn't win a gold medal or a medal in general as his fans. Um, it was one of the most amazing gems I think I'd ever heard. And I think I was caught off by surprise, not because it's what an Olympic athlete or sorry, an Olympic medalist. He corrected me when I called him an Olympic athlete, an Olympic gold medalist. Oh, yeah, he'll do that. Yeah. But I, I think because he was Canadian that it like, it threw me completely off because we're not used to people speaking like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know as, as an Olympian, you know, and as an athlete who represents their country, what would it mean if you guys were still competing? You know, what would it mean to you to still be able to go out there and perform and still know that all of your hard work, whether it's televised or not, does that matter? Or is it just about going out there and, like we said, competing against the best and showing that you're the best in the world? You want to go first, Vader? Um, yeah, you sound like your ex. So <laughs> what I... What I'm going to say with regards to the whole Olympic spirit is it doesn't, <laughs> end of the day, it, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. End of the day, it's, I want to compete and prove how good I am. And many athletes have different motivations, whether they're trying to prove it to themselves, whether they're trying to prove it to others. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like, yes, you want the crowd. Yeah, you want people cheering for you. Yeah, you you know, you know, want the camera in front of your face. You want all of that. But it really boils down to the other seven guys in this lane, or whether it's a, a field event, the other people I'm competing against, I just want to prove how good I am. So <clears throat> I'm not surprised to go back to what Donovan said. I'm not surprised by the confidence and how he interprets you know things around him because you need you need that type of mentality in terms of what's going to drive you so right. to think of non non-olympic medalists as his as his fans i mean i was the biggest fan in 96 like i was i was at school and i was amongst americans at the time and you couldn't tell me nothing when he crossed that line so the 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 energy and the spirit and the like the need to just want to compete is always going to be there for any Olympic athlete. And they could, I mean, again, I'm talking from my experience, but I don't think they care. I don't think they care whether the crowds are full or not. They would love it. It'd be extra, but they want to race. They want to jump. They want to throw, like they want to do their thing. Um, in reference to Donovan, I mean, Donovan, we have to remember Donovan, he's a Jamaican, you know, I mean, me and Vader both got Jamaica in our blood, so it's it's a it's a 
it's a mentality. There's a there's a level of um, confidence that comes with that. It's just blood. You think you're the best, and if you're good at something, everyone should know that you're the best. Um, also, he's a hundred meter sprinter, and that that's another thing that'll take your arrogance to be at a certain level. You can call it arrogance, but there has to be a certain belief in yourself and a certain hierarchy that you have in your brain as to how <laughs> to to how people compare to you. And I'm just better than you. So as far as how he is, the, the remarks he makes and has made and the confidence he has, it was necessary for him to do what he did. So that's just what it is. I think that um, if I was, if I was competing now, I think, I think, um, I don't know. It's so hard to, it's so hard to, to think back to the type of mentality I had when I was competing to try and visualize myself going out there now because for real that's all that mattered back then like there's no perspective of life outside of your sport when you're an olympian in anything it's just you it's all you know you don't know anything else about you it's such a small world to think of it's when when i was done with competing is when i realized yo there's actually so much more happening in the world there's so many more things that mean something so i think that um if i was to travel back to that like all, I, all I'd want to do is, I can't imagine not being able to go. That'd be devastating, right. man. It'd be devastating because that's all they think about. There's nothing, nothing else means anything. That's also why I was, I was putting the doc out there that I have coming out because yep. there's so much going into um, every quadrennial. Everything is targeted towards that four years. You know what I'm saying? Right. COVID just happened to fall on 2020. So to see it all come to a halt, I mean, that's what I was really trying to capture. I mean, I mean, we'll probably talk about it later, but that's what I'm trying to capture in COVID 2020 is just everything's built towards this and all of a sudden it's taken away. Yeah. And I, that's what, that's what, I don't know how I would have handled that, man. I have no idea how I would have handled that. Now we are going to talk about that, but really quickly to pivot on what you said, um, to quote the great Jadakiss, I'm not cocky. I'm confident. Mm-hmm. So when you tell me I'm the best, it's a compliment. And Good. so that, that is Donovan Bailey right there. And I have to really, say, yeah. Anson, if it wasn't for you scaring the shit out of me after our first interaction on our first podcast, I don't know if Vader knows this, but I'll, I'll expose myself. Um, don't watch her talks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> uh, I will, um, <laughs> I will address what, what Anson helped me with. And that is when I introduced Anson on the first podcast, I called him, I said, Anson Henry. I came with all of this, or sorry, <laughs> Anson Carter. I came with all of this energy with like going, you know, athlete, NCAA athlete, record holder. Yeah, you yada, went yada, yada, the yada. List, yeah. And then I went, crazy resume. I'm joined by Anson Carter. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, Oh no. And he's like, nah, man, it's cool dog. Like everybody, like people do that. But like, and then I think after the podcast, he was like, but if you ever meet Donovan Bailey, don't call him Donovan Bennett. Cause he won't play that. And I was like, all right, if I ever interview Donovan Bailey, I'm going to keep that in there. Yo, and sure a, enough, a real thing. when I was going through preparation for Donovan Bailey, I was like, Donovan Bailey, Donovan Bailey. Do I just go Donovan? No, Donovan Bailey, Donovan. But do I go Mr. Bailey? Like it was in my head. Mm. And then once I got through that intro, I was like, it's, now I can relax. But I was advice. like stressing, stressing. That speaking really of good, good advice, advice, speaking of good advice, you know, you're not in, I don't want to steal your tagline here, hmm. but you, you, you used a word earlier where you want things to go off without a hitch. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking to you, Vader, because you have a lovely, amazing segment on your nightly show where you have your your hitch moments, you know, where you get to play the date doctor or the advice doctor. It's not really date doctor, yeah. it's more of advice doctor. Sure. And I want you to just dive into what inspired these hitch moments that you wanted to share these these gems with the people who follow Ooh, the you're show. Good. You're good. You know, and, <laughs> and, and take us down that road because I love, it's one of my favorite parts of healthy conversations, that and, you know, the, the stutter count that Gordy <laughs> and Anson tend to go through, but like these hitch moments, where did it start? How did it start? And how do you stay inspired on a oh, weekly man. basis? Uh, I won't give you too much of a history, but obviously the viewers won't know. Listeners won't know. I'm an older brother. Okay. So four kids. I'm the older brother. I got two younger brothers, younger sister. So giving advice has always been part of, the game right when you're when you're the older brother it's what you do Uh, i mean i haven't been the most successful amongst the ladies i mean blaze kind of holds that title but i've i've had my fair share you know what i mean so as a result of that again being the older brother having other friends sometimes asking for advice I've, i've just freely given it and i've realized that I've been pretty good at it. You know what I mean? I've made my mistakes, but I've learned from them. And if I can prevent someone from doing the same thing, I'm going to do that. So relationships are always ongoing. They're, you know, they're never static. It's always an evolution, right? And I'm married, two kids, amazing, beautiful wife. So the advice that, or the experiences that I have, I want to kind of share back. So the no hitch moments, because again, I will attest, I'm not hitch. That's a great movie. Will did his thing. I'm no hitch, <laughs> but I will give great relationship advice, great dating <laughs> advice when possible. Um, and it was just really inspired because I've been complimented on some of the facts that I've been given over the years. And one thing that really set it to another level is I put in a lot of research in determining things, certain things. I won't get too graphic, but certain things in terms of um bedroom success and when i've been sharing it to friends when they've asked for the advice it's panned out gordy the jerk if you listen to the healthy conversation for him he always (laughs) wanted he always wanted his firstborn to be a, a male he wanted his firstborn to be a boy came to me for advice i gave him i gave him my notes on my, with regards to my research, I wanted my firstborn to be a boy. I was successful right. in having my firstborn to be a boy. I wanted my next my next one to be a girl. It so happened. I shared with him that research. His track had, record's flawless. He had a boy, he had a girl. It's so legit, Julian. I'm like, yeah. I can't deny this anymore. So for some, like, like Blaze was saying, he's a vessel. With regards to this, I'm a vessel. <laughs> I share my knowledge. Uh, this... This could not have worked out any better, at least especially for the explanation of of that portion of healthy conversations. <laughs> it is it is fantastic, I will say. Um, super informative. It's a safe space. So for anybody who has any questions, why the hell are we talking about this? It's really a safe space where people can can listen, can ask questions without feeling judged, although sometimes we people may give Gordy a little bit of a, of a hard time, but it's all in, in good fun. It's all, all in good, good faith, you know. 
Gordy and I have had our beef, and I wasn't oh, sure. Yeah, you guys battle. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to address it because he's not here, but I will say, you know, it's all done in just fun. If at any point it becomes serious, that is no, that is definitely not my intention. He's had some more choice words for me than I ever had for him, (laughs) but I'm okay. I can, I can wear that. Like that's, that's totally, totally fine. But uh, it's, I, I think it goes to this whole topic on like men being afraid of, of being masculine or in talking and having conversations about masculinity. And sometimes it makes them feel weak and maybe they're not safe. And maybe it's the culture in which they grew up or the way that they were brought up. And it's, you know, men don't talk about their feelings. They don't share their experiences with other men. That's not what we do. But I think now we're in an age where we can start to have those conversations where I'm having way more dad conversations with Mm. people my age and asking advice whether it be marital advice, whether it be advice on how to what I should do with my kids. And I feel like now we've formed these bubbles of safe space that we all really need. Because if there's one thing COVID-19 really taught us is that mental health, while not being something new, got exposed. It mm-hmm. got exposed on the grandest of scales. People who suffered in silence before suffered out in the open when all of their resources were taken away. And people who had no mental health challenges developed them through quarantine and lockdown and not being able to see friends and being in the same space. So um, definitely creating spaces of good support where we can have healthy conversations is one of the greatest things. I'm, I'm glad I found your show. And I the other day, I, I put it up online for anybody who wanted to join in on the conversation. Respect that. Us- the usual cast is always there to share yeah. our opinions, but, you know, Thank you, you two, for coming up with the idea to have this style show. And you guys talk about everything, whether it was just recently Meghan Markle and the whole Queen saga, whether it's sports, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's relationship, music. You guys do an amazing job. And I just I want to give you your flowers for putting on such an amazing show. Appreciate that, man. It's uh, like you said, it's, I think it's important, like like you said there's a lot of ways you think of things now that you're older i think when we're younger we've spent a lot spent a lot of time being who we think we're supposed to be and as you get older trying to figure out who you are and you're trying to have real perspectives on things and the only way to do that is to talk like just say stuff and i think that comes into play a lot with the fact that the show is live you know what i'm saying we just yeah it's it's real conversation it's unedited it's uncut it's just we're talking about talking things we're just talking you know you guys sometimes you got to talk you got to say you got to ask questions you got to say stuff you got to express an opinion to hear an adverse opinion and just look at things differently so i think that we're veering away from that a lot now i feel like a lot of people are get so offended by even bringing stuff up so there's no resolution so i think that the show i mean it's one of the main one of the main pushes behind the show is just being able to start the dialogue so we can have some sort of resolve or at least come to some sort of understandings, whether it's culturally, whether it's um, you know, um, you know, females, males, everything across the board. We're just trying to in relationships. We're just trying to, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying, we're trying to figure things out. And uh, you you got to talk, man. Yeah, and you just and, talk, man. Yeah, and to, just to also add on to that, it's like we're not trying to change people's minds. Like we're having the conversation just to be like, here's my thought. What do you think? Or have you thought about this? Here's what's happening in the news. Am I off because I'm seeing things differently? We're like, we're just trying to have the conversation where we often find that people don't even feel safe to do that. They're like, oh, I can't, 
I can't say something that's off opposite because it's not mainstream right. and everyone's going to like cancel me or, sh or shoot me down. Like what the heck is that? So, I mean, blaze with regards to the concept and, you know, I'm, I'm going to give them his props. It's like, we need to get on camera and we need to talk about it. Like people gravitate fantastic. If not, we're having the conversation. Um, you know, and again, I'm the, I'm the third guy, him and G like have had Shut no, up, no, 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 no. Why are you, why are you stepping on this, man? I was just flowing. I was <laughs> flowing. Right. So him and G, him and G, in all fairness, him and G will have the conversation sometimes on the side about different things. Right. But the fact that we all come together and talk about it, then I give my perspective as well, or, you know, they give me their perspective with regards to other things that I, I would have never thought about or talked about. Right. So right. we cover sports, we cover relationships, like you mentioned, we cover news. And at the end of the day, if we were all able to be together in the same space, it'd be the same conversation. We just right. so happen to be having it on camera and we're sharing it with the world. So um, I appreciate you tuning in every week. And yeah, Lars, man, for real. Um, for it. For real, like man. I said, I, I cut my cords a long time ago as far as television goes, but the one thing you can pencil me in for, unless for whatever reason I've passed out because I'm exhausted from being a dad all mm -hmm. week is I'm, I'm, I'm chiming in. Although if you guys could go back to the nine 30 Eastern <laughs> time, that would work a little bit better for me. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, We've been talking you know what? about that, man. We've been talking but listen, about that. I get, I get the time difference. We got to be respectful for everybody. Um, hey, you gotta be, you gotta be on too, man. You gotta, you gotta jump on uh, one of these days. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, gotta, you gotta clear it with your third member. Once, yeah, uh, I'm once looking the forward to host. the banter. You know I'm what? Looking forward to the banter. This came to mind, Blaze and Julian. You, even how you intro the whole show. I would really like to see the four of us in a risk game. <laughs> I would really like to see that dynamic. I mean, right? You would right now. You would think that you know, G and Julian would be adverse, but I don't know if that'd be the case. Some sort of un unruly alliance, all of yeah, a sudden, quiet alliance taking place. I could see that happening. Yeah, but Vader always has Gordon <laughs> oh, in go. his pocket, yo. It's just like they're always Gordon's gonna it's do whatever he wants them to do. It's the puppet master. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. Two things before we go, because I know we're we're, we're running along. Because you know, I I get lost in conversation with you guys, but uh, okay. and for Vader, you know, you might have a little bit of experience with this, and I'm bringing this up because you know Anson brought this to my attention. We're all here, allies of supporting our coworkers, our colleagues partners including women in sports and i've been a huge advocate i have two daughters so i'm gonna have a, a boy i probably should have come to to vader for advice before all of this happened but you know what i loved having two <laughs> two girls um but you know women women in sports especially have definitely had uh some challenges in the past but over the last you know decade or so depending on the sport they've really made amazing strides including this past off season with Rachel Luba, who I speak about frequently on this podcast, agent for Trevor Bauer, who signed a great free agent deal, but basically made the offseason a great reality show. And she was just as much a part of that as Trevor Bauer with all of his personality. And Nike recently released an ad within the last week or so about, uh, uh oh, I see Vader's, uh, Vader's feeling a little bit, but they released their, I want to make sure I get it right. I think it's like their maternity ad where their catchphrase for the tweet and video was to every mother everywhere, 
you are the toughest athlete. And it really was a touching ad. You had Serena, you had a variety of different athletes, either pregnant, having their mm-hmm. baby, postpartum, all of the major stages of of childbirth, which, you know, for, for Vader and myself, experiencing that with our partners and seeing the journey that they go through and the transformation they they have, not being these top-tier athletes, is just incredible. But for those who basically lose 18 months at a minimum of their of their athletic careers that they don't ever get back mm-hmm. from being pregnant to giving you know childbirth to the postpartum it's you know on paper a great thing however one of the people featured in this ad uh, I don't know if it was if she was actually featured but one of the people who was a huge advocate for Nike to come out with this campaign was Allison Felix a uh, US I think she was track and field athlete. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, 200, 400. 200, 400, who shared on Twitter a variety of tweets that both praised this ad and what it represents, but also wants Nike to be held accountable for the fact that it took multiple athletes to be able to basically pressure Nike into standing by their athletes because what we don't experience often is the pay cut and wage gap that they get cut during the time where they're not performing. Their deals get reworked for marketing, for sponsorships, for all of these things. And it was really a grind. And Nike wasn't supporting their athletes, their female athletes going Mm -hmm. through this time the way that maybe they should have been. So being a former employee when it comes to Nike and marketing, Vader, I wanted to get your opinion first and then we'll go to, to Blaze after this. What are your initial thoughts on this campaign by itself and then factor in the Allison Felix portion? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to wear a couple hats on this one. Um, the Nike, from the Nike side, the ad is absolutely bang on in terms of the emotion that it provoked, the message that it was um, providing the inspiration and actually the the how just how they describe the athlete or even the individual that's trying to pursue fitness or competition while pregnant or you know raise uh, growing a family they're bang on with that and like I tell everybody if you're if you're if you were to go to a marketing university it would be called Nike U. Like no one does marketing better than Nike. So what they did, the research that they put in, how they were able to get provoke the right emotions, they were bang on with it. Unfortunately, also being a former employee of Nike and and to be full disclosure, I worked on uh, I worked on the brand side. I worked with regards to sports marketing. So some of the clauses some of the contract is like how they were designed and put together at the time they're not, they weren't favorable for a female athlete trying to have like have children and obviously be a professional athlete at the same time. And over the years there, there have been some athletes that haven't been on the favorable side of some of those contract clauses. Allison Felix was one of those athletes. Um, and where she needed the company most, and she was a highly, highly decorated track athlete, 
Like if you thought of track and field, if you thought of U.S. track and field, like she was the face. Right. So, and I say the face where she would have surpassed like even male athletes. Like if you if you were thinking of track and field or U.S. track and field, she was the first person you were going to think of, right? And her career was phenomenal. So at the time of where she's now pregnant and looking to pursue a different phase within her life and but still wanting to remain a Nike athlete and still wanting to at least be given the chance to prove that she can introduce this phase into her life and still compete at a high level she didn't have the same she didn't have the support that's actually being described in you know the marketing campaign happening now so i don't think she's off with what she's saying Um, right uh, she's not the first i think you can definitely hold Nike's hand to the fire and say maybe not too little too late, but you can definitely say too late. Right. Um, and in the same vein, it's better late than never. So it's good that they've now trying to right the ship and who knows how many past athletes could have had a longer career or could have had special moments themselves if Nike had taken the position that they're that they've now taken, but they had back then. Right. So, um, but the backlash that's happening online. And I mean, that's the era that we're living in. Like they, they do deserve it. Right. And, and it's a, it's a matter of what, what, what is Nike? What are those within the marketing team, within the brand team, especially within the sports marketing team as well? What are they going to do to just raise the standard and look to support the female athlete better than they have in the past. And I think they've kind of, hopefully they've made that mark now. And and one of the things, you know, she's the face of talking about this campaign, but the reason she can be is because she's no longer a Nike athlete. She signed a new deal, I think in 2019 with uh, Athletica. So she, she can, because who knows if she's able to speak her honest truth, if she's still under contract with Nike. Oh, Maybe no, no, she no, can... no, 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 no. If you're a Nike athlete, you do yeah. not, you're not talking against the brand. Right. Like that. Yeah. And so because she was the, you know, one of the two major female athletes that went up against Nike to really come up with this campaign, you know, Nike's come out with maternity active wear now, like they've got their whole line. What, what I was really impressed with was, and I can't remember what Olympic games it was for, but when you had Muslim athletes mm-hmm. competing, Nike comes up with the active wear hijab. Mm-hmm. So, again, they were going to wear it, but now Nike's providing a sport alternative so that they can, and it was received very well. So, for me, my experience with Nike and seeing that as someone of the Muslim faith, I absolutely love it. I see that they're embracing, they're trying to be inclusive, but then we also don't always get to see this other end that we're seeing with Alice and Felix and see the battles. And it makes you think, are they changing the contract status of a Serena Williams? She's a Nike athlete. She had a baby. Mm-hmm. Or is or is her star she's so big? Yeah, is like is her star so big that she's one of the ones that are unaffected? And now we start to look at tiers of athletes of saying, well, you're, if you're on the top of this tier, don't worry about it. We got you. You're good. But you know, tier two and below, well, you know, let's talk some dollars and cents, and we'll re you up when you return back to the form in which we initially signed you under before you decided to have a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I can't, I can't give too much of the special, <laughs> <laughs> the ingredients of the special sauce, but um, 
previous contracts would have terms to say you're inactive, you're at this pay um, pay grade, right? You're <clears throat> you're able to do this many competitive appearances. You maintain this base level of compensation, right? Dr- that that drops, you're reduced. But again, it also falls on your again at the end of the day, it falls on your star power. Right. agent power whether they're able to say you know what yes it's written in the contract let's let's ignore this right Give my athlete a chance to get to the next level if we're not at the next level then you can maybe compound negatively affect um the athlete but serena's serena's in a different universe like she's arguably the best tennis player to have ever played so <clears throat> contracting wise <laughs> trying to keep her under the Nike umbrella post retirement. Cause that's also a thing as well. Um, she probably isn't facing the same challenges that an Allison Felix or other right. track and field athletes may have faced because it's not the same. You don't really have the same market power. For sure. Blaze, you want to jump hey, in on this one? Yeah. I think it just comes down to fairness, man. I understand. I mean, it's, it's a business. They're running a business. There's terms. Contracts have terms that need to be fulfilled in order for this money to go to this place. And I get it. I think it just comes down to fairness, though. And I think that what Nike does well is they'll they'll convey the message to the masses <laughs> that they want out there at the grassroots level. Even though Alison Felix is like that nine Olympic gold medal, or not nine Olympic gold medal. She's got nine Olympic medals, and she's one of the biggest names ever in the sport speaking up about this the 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 conversations that are being had about this aren't aren't going to be global you know what i'm saying they've got the global message across as far as how they're supporting this you know what i'm saying as far as what happened in the past with her and yeah they're gonna gonna be some talks about it but not gonna affect the big picture man so but hey it's a business and they they run their business very well but i think that moving forward um you know, if, if if the message that Allison is presenting about the fight that they had to go through to get to this point, this comes up and it becomes more of a message across the board and you know throughout the world. Some of these some of these companies are going to have to be accountable, man. And I think the, the accountability is what's going to help them to um, you know maintain their status because if if people really knew what was going on and the the, the hoops that people had to go through to get to this stage then, you know, it may not look good on them. So accountability may have to be something that comes into play in order for them to maintain this, uh, the stranglehold they have on people's <laughs> heartstrings. Because people See, love the ad, man. It was a really good ad too. It was a really good ad. But, you had I mean, a chance to go three for three with puns and you fell yeah, just Yeah, you know short. what? You know what? I fell back on hoops. I fell back if, on hoops. If you went with was... hurdles for track and field... Oh, overcome those hurdles let's do it again let's do it again let's just oh, man let's do it again was... you know, I... listen man we do it uh, it's hurdles just... would have been nice hurdles would have been nice man it, it would have been a clean been three clean, for yeah. three that would have been podium gold silver bronze but you know just like i got anson carter wrong 
we live for another yeah. day. We look yeah, and live man, for redemption. Yeah, and yeah. Well, <laughs> but speaking of track and field, and this is this is gonna take us out of here because I need you to go to bed. It's probably like I don't know two thirty in the morning, almost approaching three o'clock at this <laughs> point. But uh, COVID twenty twenty part one Olympic year just dropped. Uh, talk a little bit about what this documentary is, what it means to you and what your overall goal is when releasing this? Um, well, I think that throughout my life, um, the Olympic quadrennial has been a big deal to me. It's, uh, you know, it was basically my time clock that I, that I moved through for the majority of my life. So um, I know how important every four years is to Olympic athletes. Um, COVID just happened to fall on an Olympic year. And a lot of Olympic dreams got derailed. And because I know how important those four years are, I know that Olympians, everyone felt it, obviously, you know what I'm saying? But Olympians really felt it when when it happened because everything they've been dreaming of and gearing towards is just put to a halt. And you don't even know necessarily if it's going to happen. It's not going to happen in the timing that it's supposed to happen. It's just right. life changes and contracts are in jeopardy we're talking about contracts now sometimes contracts come in into play because you're not being able to compete as much as you need to in order to fulfill the contract and it's 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 been a mess for a lot of olympic athletes so um i think that um what i was trying to capture in COVID 2020 is just um you know through the eyes of canadian sprinter andre de grasse um you know what the the lead-in and the announcement meant to him and then uh, that's part one, basically. And then part two, we we're going through, um, you know, how we had to survive during COVID. Uh, part one was released. So it's been, the reception has been great. Um, and uh, I think he really, uh, I mean, every athlete's going through it, but, you know, it's, you see a, one of the one of the, the athletes that's loved around the world going through it, it, it kind of brings it home that even he's dealing with this stuff. So, right. And, um, you know, part one was just, you know, how that how the announcement hit. And the part two is just uh, we're going to see how he actually dealt with life during COVID when it came to parenting, when it came to to competing. Um, you know, we got into a little bit of, you know, what he had to do competition wise to fulfill certain obligations. And um, yeah, the, the demand for for part two has been pretty high. Uh, I'm pretty hyped about that. But um, the response for part one has been good, and I hope you guys both got to check it out. But um, yeah, man, as far as seeing the Olympians' journey through with all this COVID stuff, uh, COVID twenty twenty basically outlines that. So I'm pretty happy about it how it came out. Listen for for those who want to check it out, it is available on Anson's uh, YouTube page. So go ahead and uh, and check that out. You guys have been amazing. We've been talking for what seems like you know 20 minutes to me but it's you know rolling up on on 90 minutes time flies time time does fly i do want to say um for anyone who wants to check out the healthy conversations available sunday nights unless anson has some other prior engagement <laughs> uh, but you can catch it live you know 9 30 p.m eastern time uh on twitch subscribe show the guys some love interact they're always great with that um amazing job guys like i said before you guys are absolutely fantastic appreciate you taking the time and joining me uh today anything you want to plug before we get you guys out of here well yeah, Peter. 
Um, you said it right there with regards to healthy conversation. Um, we've got a couple of things in the works. So if you're able to check us out on Twitch and hit the notification button, you'll just be alerted to the new things that we have working out in the background. Um, but yeah, continue to support it, man. It's, it's three guys from Toronto. I'm the only one in Toronto giving our healthy <laughs> point of view. So yeah, continue to support. It's always appreciated. Beautiful. Three, three Torontonians giving a global point of view. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, uh, just keep an eye out for everything we got coming out, man. Uh, keep an eye out for the second part of the doc, COVID-2020. Uh, and yeah, man, it's uh, we're looking forward to having you on, man, because you've been our, you've been in our uh, in the chat, very active in the chat. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> look forward to you actually meeting Gordy the Jerk, and um, continuing to just have these conversations, man. Because in general, man, we just we just want to and and anyone anyone's tuning in, just just say what you want to say, ask what you want to ask. It's a very safe space, and there's no no conversation is a bad conversation. The conversation can go anywhere. As you've seen, Julian. So, um, yeah, man. That's it from greatest athletes of all time to how the royal family's de- dealing with Oprah's interview. I mean, we run the <laughs> gamut of topics that we talk that you guys talk about. Uh, like the gentleman said, check out Healthy Conversations every Sunday night on Twitch. Uh, the Big O Podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, it is available. Uh, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, comment, five star rating, show some love, tell a friend. We're all love here. We're all one big giant community. Uh, for my guests Anson and Vader Games, I'm Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a great night, everybody.